0: Amen, amen. Well, you guys can be seated. Good morning. How are we doing? Okay, I I talked about this earlier uh, as we were kind of doing our little talk through in the mornings uh, for our teams. We kind of go through a shortened version, and I said, you know, the first time you're like, good morning, how are we doing? Everybody's like, yeah, like the coffee's still kicking in. So I'm going to give you a moment. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, how are we doing today? Yeah, that's what I like a little bit more. Uh, My name is Matt. If I haven't met you, uh, I I have lots of energy. It's just who I am. I hope you like it. If you don't, Well, you know, let's get to know each other. It'll be good. But hey, uh, there's a lot of great things going on at NBC, and I'm excited about them. Uh, First off, we have our Christmas service coming up. It's coming fast, and so here's what I want you to do. I want you to be ready to come. We're going to have a service in the morning, and it's going to be different from our service at night at 5 p.m. I want to make sure that you are there and that you're thinking about who you can invite. Uh, Christmas is a time where almost across the board, if you invite, invite somebody, they're going to say yes. If you promise them like dinner involved with that as well, they're guaranteed to come, okay? So be thinking about who you can invite. And and listen, when we talk about this, uh, we talk about inviting people because we want to share the great hope that we have in Christ. It, it's not about putting, uh, we, we call it butts in seats, okay? It's not about putting butts in seats. It's about people knowing and coming to a relationship with Jesus, And so that's coming up soon. I want to let you know about that and be thinking about who you can buy. Also, uh, I want to let you know, I'm going to steal just a tiny bit of uh, DJ's Thunder uh, a little bit later. But uh, I talked to some of you guys, you were here and you heard about this. Uh, the church that I came from previously said, hey, we want to bless Matt and Sarah Lynn as we uh, go and start this new ministry. And so they said, hey, we want to match a donation. Uh, Dollar for dollar, we're going to match a donation up to $50,000. Man, so generous of them, and we're excited about that. And I just want to give you an update that we're almost halfway there. And so we're super excited about that, and I uh, want to just thank you for giving because uh, we want NVC to, to jump forward in a super healthy way, and part of that means like just being financially responsible. I'm huge on that. We're going to be going into an FPU, uh, Financial Peace University series in the beginning of the new year, and so uh, thank you for giving. Uh, when we talk about Christmas, there's a lot of different things that come up, Right? We think about a lot of different things. The holiday season is upon us. Uh, I talked to you guys last week about going to Texas for Thanksgiving, and it was a great time to be with family. And, and I had an Old Testament professor that would invite us over, and he would say, hey, we're going to have food, we're going to have fun, and we're going to have finging. Okay? You know, he, he, he liked alliteration. Thank you for laughing. Uh, he, he liked alliteration. And so he's like, you know, singing, finging, it all works. And and we like gifts. And, And gifts are something that we celebrate, especially around Christmas time, that Jesus gave a gift to all humanity. And it's a free gift. And that's a gift worth sharing. And so uh, we, as we come into this season, want to be thinking about that gift. Now, we've been in this I Am series, and we've been looking at things that Jesus said about himself. And we've talked about how important that is, because it's important to know who Jesus says he is, not what other people say about him. Because we can get it wrong, Right? We can get it wrong, other people can get it wrong, whether intentionally or unintentionally, Jesus throughout the years has been misunderstood and misrepresented in many ways. In fact, I looked at an article recently, uh, and they were interviewing people and asking them, who do you think Jesus is? And they were on the streets of New York. And I thought it was interesting, some of the responses that came up. Uh, One person said, there are a lot of Jesuses out there. There's lots of Jesus's. Jesus is whoever you want him to be. And I was like, man, how true is that about what a lot of people think? There's lots of Jesus's. There, there's lots of ways to God. And another person said, he was a good man. May he rest in peace, just like Muhammad. Another person said, man, Jesus was a historical figure. He was like Napoleon or anyone else who lived in history. He was historical. He was just a normal person. Another person said he was a marketing genius. Finally, somebody said he was a made-up person to control the masses. And when I read these responses, I think, man, this is where our culture is. My, my posture is not to get angry. My posture is to say, man, I want you to know who Jesus says he is because he's so much better than all of those responses. Jesus is so much better, and maybe uh, for you, that's part of the reason that you're here. You have questions about Jesus. You're not quite sure who Jesus is. We're so glad you're here. This is a place where it's okay to ask questions, where we have conversations because we want to help people come to know Jesus, and we want to help people follow Jesus. So you're not quite sure who he is and that's why you're here. Maybe you were invited here and you're not quite sure if you're even interested in who Jesus is. You're welcome here too. This is a place where we learn and grow and it's why we've been in the series because we don't want to put our thoughts and our beliefs on Jesus. We want Jesus' thoughts and beliefs to, to rest inside of our hearts, to transform us, to make us more into his image. And sometimes, like I said earlier, when it comes to understanding who Jesus is, when when we get these ideas, sometimes it's unintentional. And I said, sometimes it is intentional. You ever been duped before? You ever had someone try to sell you something or give an idea and it didn't end up being true? One of the most famous uh, people that has ever done that was a guy named Bernie Madoff. Some of you are like, oh man, I know that way too well. I have family that was affected by that. Other people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Matt. Bernie Madoff uh, was a guy who incorporated a Ponzi steam, scheme uh, in investments, and the guy was extremely successful. He, he was so successful that he stole billions of dollars Billions, not, not millions, not hundreds. I mean, I'm like, hey, spare a hundred, right? No, billions of dollars he stole. It's so interesting because he confessed this to his sons finally at one point, and he told them what was going on, and his sons actually turned him in to the police. They were like, we have no other option but to turn our dad in. And upon reflection, he said, I don't know why I did this. I had no reason to do this. I was the head of the stock exchange at one point. I had more than enough money to support my lifestyle and my family's lifestyle. I didn't need to do this. I just allowed myself to be talked into something, and that's my fault. Aren't those true words? I didn't need to do this all of us make choices in our lives and it's like I might not need to do this this isn't something that fulfills me I just allowed myself to be talked into something I just allowed myself to be pulled away from what I knew was true you ever allowed yourself to be talked into something that you regret I know I have I imagine every one of us can think of one of those times something that we knew was wrong, or something even that we lied because we felt like, oh, it's going to be in everybody's best interest if they don't know what's really going on here. Or we talked ourselves into compromising our beliefs because we think it might benefit us. So Bernie's kids had to turn him in. It's a really sad story. He ended up. Dying in prison, uh, one of his sons ended up taking his own life a couple years later. And I think about the consequence of sin. I think about the consequence of getting led astray. And I think about the maybe, right? Maybe I'll, Maybe it'll work. Maybe I will get away with it. Maybe I can win big. I mean, 5,000 on red, what could go wrong? In Jesus' day, it was no different. There were a lot of people trying to get ahead or claiming to have a secret. And, and the Jewish people in particular knew that there was a Messiah that was coming. And there had been several people throughout time that had claimed to be the Messiah or they thought was the Messiah for one point. So when Jesus came on the scene, people were suspicious, understandably so. It, it wasn't the first time. And so last week we looked at Jesus' claim to be the resurrection and the life. And we talked about how Jesus uh, called out to Lazarus and said, you know, come out of that tomb. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And so as you might imagine, when somebody raises somebody from the dead, word gets around. Okay, they didn't have, uh, you know, Facebook and x or twitter or whatever it is today like but like word got out fast and people started talking about jesus and they started talking about jesus when he raised lazarus from the dead he said uh, he had these words and it kind of just led to this idea that it wasn't just about lazarus having new life but that it was about humanity having new life. Because Jesus was always putting things in his messages and in times when he healed people or times when he would talk to people and there was always another thread in there. And there was always a thread to all of humanity of why Jesus came and what he came for. Jesus goes into chapter 13. He makes it more personal. He heads to Jerusalem and people are celebrating him in the streets. I mean, they think this guy is the Messiah. He's healed people. He's forgiven people of their sins. And Lazarus just rose from the grave. And they're like, this is the one. And they kind of misunderstood Jesus' purpose. Because, see, they thought that Jesus was going to come in and take over the Roman government. There was going to be a new establishment of power on earth, and so they are excited. Jesus is coming in, and, and they're like waving palm branches, and, and they're celebrating him. And I just think about what that must have been like for Jesus. Because he knew that they were missing it. He knew that they weren't understanding the real reason that He was there. Jesus talks about going and preparing a place, and it begins to unsettle some of the disciples because he's meeting with them, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place, and all of a sudden they're like, wait, 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 wait. You aren't going anywhere, right? This is how we've been tricked or duped before. And, and Jesus, surely not, you're not going anywhere. And so they start getting a little uncomfortable. Jesus reassures them in John chapter 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. He's establishing something really important right here because Jesus is saying, hey, 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 don't start freaking out. Don't start tripping out. Uh, Listen, you believe in God, believe also in me. That happens to us, right? When we get used to the way things are going and suddenly something changes, we're like, what's going on? No, 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 no change. I don't want any change. Some of you guys like change. You're crazy. Okay, but like change happens and people start to freak out. Uh, I remember when my son went away to college, he he goes to to college in the Netherlands, it's just a tiny little bit of a time difference and a distance, and and our phones don't work the same way, and we have to use different means of communication, and I remember the time that we couldn't get a hold of him uh, for about six or seven hours. All kinds of things start to go on in your mind, right? You can imagine, right? Right? Maybe some of you have been there with something else. You, you, you aren't able to get in touch with somebody or something you think is going wrong and there's things going on and you can't get your hands on it and control it. Finally, my son got in touch with us and he was like, Mom, I was asleep. And I was like, yeah, I knew that. That's why I told you, honey. It's just not as convinced. But Jesus is right here saying, listen, you believe in God, also believe in me. Don't start to miss the plot. You know who I am. I've been with you. He then continues. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and for you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, this is a cause for both excitement and a little bit of distress, because again, Jesus is saying, I'm going, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And it's like, wait, Jesus, why can't we just go with you? But he assures them with saying, listen, if I'm going to prepare a place, I'm going to come back so that you can be with me. My father's house is big enough for all of us, and I'm going to prepare a place for all of us. Don't worry. This isn't trick. This isn't you being duped, but it is an opportunity for you to trust. It is an opportunity for you to put your trust and your hope in me and know that I am who I say I am. He then finishes this section of the verse by saying, you know the place to where I'm going. You ever had somebody say something and they're like, you understand, right? And you just feel like your response should be like, oh, yeah, I totally understand. But in your mind, you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. There's countless times where somebody will come to me and they're like, hey, Matt, we, we got this going on and this going on. And, and you know about, you know, the, the scavenger hunt having, happening today. And I'm like, uh-huh, sure. DJ, what, what's going on today? And I'm supposed to know what's going on and I have to act like I know what's going on and this is kind of where the disciples are because they're like, okay, we've been with Jesus for a long time and we should probably know the answer, but we're not quite sure. Thomas is like, wait, 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 wait. We don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way to get there? I mean, remember GPS and Waze and Google Maps? It was just not even considered at that part. Even Rand McNally had not been invented yet. Some of you are like, what's Rand McNally? Ask your grandparents. They might know. This is where Jesus drops his next I am statement. It's a big one. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a profound statement that Jesus is making. He says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus right here is kind of unpacking. He's like, listen, don't freak out, Thomas. Don't freak out, everyone else. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except except through me. And you know my father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him because I am. And we've talked through this series about when Jesus says these I am words, all the Jewish people would have understand, understood and known that he was pointing back to when the Israelites were freed from slavery. When Moses went before Pharaoh and he says like, hey, I kind of have a stuttering problem and I kind of don't want to die. Who should I say has sent me? And God says, you tell them that I am has sent you. And so this has profound meaning and profound depth to the people when they hear these words that the I am is here and that the I am is going before you. And from now on, you know the Father because you have seen me because I am. Maybe you've heard that before, but you don't totally understand it. I am the way. We follow Jesus to get to the Father. We follow Jesus. He is our GPS coordinates. I am the way. I want to follow in God's way, and I know that He can be trusted. We know He can be trusted because He is the truth. He's the truth. He is who He says He is. One of the things that I say, and I picked it up from somebody else uh, along the way, and, you know, you forget who uh, came up with it first. But following Jesus will make your life better, and it will make you better at life. And I've found that to be so true in my life. That I've fo- as I followed his way, my life gets so much better free from sin, free from having to cover up things, free from lying, free from making decisions I wish I didn't have to. He is the way that we can have peace in following him, that he is the truth, that we can trust him, and that he is the life. If you want to find fulfillment, if you want to find completion in what is missing, Jesus is the life. Not only for this life, but for the life to come, in all of these "I am" statements, Jesus is making it clear that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we want to get to Father, if we want to get to know God, it is through Him. It's why C.S. Lewis makes a profound statement and observation about Jesus' claims and how we're tempted to react at times. Uh, If you haven't read a lot of C.S. Lewis, that's fine. Uh, You'll get to hear a lot throughout, hopefully, the years with me. I love C.S. Lewis. I love the writings of C.S. Lewis. He was such a great thinker, and he did way more than The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but there's profound statements within those books and allegory that gives us the heart an idea of who Jesus was, but he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And he says in one section uh, about how we sometimes want to react to Jesus about, well, you know, Jesus was okay. We talked about those statements earlier about what people thought about him. He's another great teacher like Muhammad. May he rest in peace, right? And C.S. Lewis says right here, listen, you are getting it all wrong if that is how you're framing your belief in Jesus. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. I'm going to pause right there and stop reading behind me. I'm watching you. (laughs) He's saying, listen, Jesus didn't leave that as an option. If Jesus had said the things that Jesus said, he would not be a great moral teacher. C.S. Lewis continues, he says, he would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he is a poached egg, like you're crazy if you've said those things and you can't back them up, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or he is a madman or something worse. C.S. Lewis Uh, was an atheist, argued against Christianity for years. And he wrestled with who Jesus was. And so as he says these words, and as he uh, wrote this book, Mere Christianity, he, he has come to wrestle with this and make the decision that Jesus didn't leave these as options. You're not a good moral teacher if you say some of the things that Jesus said, but you don't back them up with your life. You're, you're either crazy, like you've lost the plot, or, or, or you're a devil of hell, or he's Lord. And C.S. Lewis continues, he says, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's like, listen, the claims of Jesus are all in commitments. It's not halfway. It's not partial. Either he is who he says he is or he's a great deceiver. Let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. He comes to the conclusion, now it seems obvious to me that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it might seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. As he wrestled With the claims of Jesus, as he wrestled with the statements and the life that Jesus lived, he said, man, listen, however strange or terrifying or unlikely or how fearful I am to put my life in subservience to Jesus, I have to. Because he is Lord and he left me no other option in my understanding of him as he says I am. Because he says I am. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is evidence as Josh McDowell, uh, another former atheist who upon investigating the claims of Jesus became a Christian, there is evidence that demands a verdict And throughout time and throughout history, people who have been far away from God have come and explored and examined the statements of Jesus and they have said, man, however unlikely or however terrifying it might be, I must give my life to him because I believe his claims to be true and I believe that he is who he said he was, that he is the I am. See, we have life truth a way. And it is found in the I am, Yahweh. Yahweh, our God, our provider, the one that makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. So don't misunderstand Jesus as a good teacher. Don't just put him in that box. He doesn't leave that as an option to us. He's God's son. And the good news is that we see In Jesus, a perfect representation of God our Father. Now, if you read the red letters, that's kind of, you know, like what we say sometimes because some of the old Bibles and and some of our Bibles now, they'll have the words of Jesus in red. As we read the statements of Jesus and who he was and how he went about his life when he was on earth, we find a compassionate and loving God. So when he says, from now on, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, this is really good news. And it's why this I am statement is so profound. We have a clear, true north. It isn't a puzzle or a maze to be figured out. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. You want to find the Father? Follow me. You know, want to know Jesus' heart for humanity? Follow me. Read my words. See how I interacted with people. I am the perfect representation of God. By the way, I love you so much that I'm going to take on the sin of the world so that there might be a bridge. And that is called good news. And that is great news. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Good grief, like, I drive down here uh, for, the, for the weekend, and, and I just am reminded of how short I fall every day, right? Somebody cuts in front of you. I had a guy come across, like, four lanes of traffic and, like, almost hit me as I'm getting off onto another exit. And, like, I would love to say I was like, oh, bless you. There were maybe, I didn't make hand gestures, but like I was tempted to make hand gestures. I, I okay, like I, this is one of my things, okay? Like, I, all, people of California, the far left lane is the, come on! <laughs> I'm like coming up behind somebody and they won't move over. And I don't care that it was a Tesla, but it was a Tesla and Tesla people are just, I'm just kidding. I love Teslas, but I'm like sitting there. I didn't do anything, but I finally like, I was like, okay, I'm passing this guy. I pass him and I cut around and there's a car in front of me in the right hand lane, which is not the fast lane. And I pull it in front of this guy and he starts flashing his lights at me. Bless you. (laughs) But I have sinned. I've messed up. I've fallen short. And I would love to say that that's the worst way that I'm fallen short. But as we examine our lives and we come before a a holy father, we need grace. We need a God that says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And not only does no one come to the father except through me, but that you can come through me to have a relationship with the father. And that is why in this season of Christmas we we just start rejoicing. We start singing thong, songs like a thousand names and, and we start just celebrating this Savior born to us. Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Praise God that we have that gift. A gift of Grace a gift of a loving father. Jesus is saying, I am more than you could have imagined, and I'm more than enough, and that is good news, and that is a reason to celebrate our Savior, Jesus. See, this is the crux on which our faith rests, the I am, and over these last weeks we've studied that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can I ask you, what would it be like in this season if we trusted him more each day in that? In, in these simple I am statements, God, God, you're our bread of life. You feed us. You sustain us. God, you are the light of the world. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You are the gate. You protect our coming in and our going out. You are the good shepherd. You lay your life down for the sheep. You are the resurrection and the life. You take dead things and you bring them back to life. You rescue us from our sin. You rescue us from us falling short over and over again. And you're the way. You're the truth. You are the life. May we be a people, VC who begin to submit our life. I know submit is not a good word, Right? <laughs> in our culture, in our day. But listen, if in submitting my life to Christ, I find joy unending, if I find peace that passes understanding, if I find hope that goes beyond this world, I will gladly submit not only my life, but I will tell of God's grace so that a world who is in desperate need of hope might know it. Let's be a people who so know that at the core of our beings. See, here's what's beautiful. If you know it at the core of who you are, if in following Christ you you come to know that completely, it's not hard to go and tell people about it. Amen? It is something that overflows out of our lives. Guys, I have discovered life and peace that is beyond anything that I have ever imagined, and I can't help but tell people about it. I can't help but share of his grace. Uh, you shouldn't only come to our Christmas service. You should come to every service because in knowing Christ, I have been set free. Let's be a people who know That great love of the Father in our hearts. So much so that we overflow it into everybody that we encounter. That it wouldn't just change the world around us. That it wouldn't just change the people that we work with. That it wouldn't just change our families. That it wouldn't just change the way we drive down the freeway but that would change every aspect of our lives. God, I thank you that you are the great I am. I thank you that you are the way and the truth and the life. And I thank you that we can find not only hope, not only salvation, not only peace, but that we find ourselves in you. Thank you for creating us to reflect your image.